Welcome to Spirit in Action. My name is Mark Helpsmeet. Each week, I'll be bringing you stories of people living lives of fruitful service, of peace, community, compassion, creative action, and progressive efforts. I'll be tracing the spiritual roots that support and nourish them in their service, hoping to inspire and encourage you to sink deep roots and produce sacred fruit in your own life. Let us sing We've got a real treat for you today for Spirit in Action. We're going to mix in a few people and some music with traveling north to Alaska, an area called Bristol Bay. You've heard about environmental issues in Alaska before, including the oil pipeline and the desire to open up fragile reserve areas to more oil drilling. But today we'll be talking about the fight against a major gold and copper mine proposed next to Bristol Bay. And we're going to start out this just in advance of Earth Day special with a call to a longtime friend of and embodiment of Spirit in Action, folk musician and lifetime activist Cy Khan. He joins us by phone from North Carolina. Cy, welcome to Spirit in Action for a special Bristol Bay episode. Mark, it's wonderful to be back on a great show and talking to a great interviewer and I am so appreciative that you recognize the importance of the struggle to stop the pebble mine and to protect Bristol Bay permanently. I so appreciate that you are part of this historic struggle. Well, given that Earth Day is just coming up, it seems so important to me to focus on the struggles going on right now and the achievements being made in terms of dealing kindly with Mother Earth. So tell us about Bristol Bay. Bristol Bay is in southwest Alaska. It lies north of the Aleutian chain, and Mark, you should not be whistling, sitting on the dock of the bay and thinking about San Francisco Bay. You shouldn't be listening to Patty Page singing Old Cape Cod and thinking of Cape Cod Bay. This is a massive inland ocean. Bristol Bay is hundreds of miles across, hundreds of miles deep, and it is the source of almost half of the wild sockeye salmon left in the world. 46%, according to the United States Environmental Protection Agency, of all the wild sockeye salmon that we eat come out of Bristol Bay. Along the rivers that drain into Bristol Bay are Alaska native villages where the descendants of those who came over from Siberia on the land bridge 50,000 to 100,000 years ago still live among the only native peoples in North America who have not been removed from their original home places. So this is a region of the earth that is pristine, that is valuable, that is productive, and that is threatened. The threat comes from the Pebble Partnership, which wants to build the world's largest open pit gold and copper mine in the headwaters of the rivers, where the salmon spawn along whose banks these Alaska native villages are located. It is a death sentence for the bay and Musicians United to protect Bristol Bay is part of a worldwide fight to protect Bristol Bay for all generations. 
you said it's a death sentence for the bay if the mine goes through. Is there an environmental assessment that says that? Or has the mine just poo-pooed that possibility? Where does that information come from? Well, Mark, that's an absolutely fair question. And in fact, first, there are two studies. One, there is the international history of open pit mining. There has never been an open pit gold mine or an open pit copper mine in the history of the world that has not destroyed, environmentally speaking, everything that lay downstream. It has to do with the production of sulfuric acid in the course of refining and the inability under modern technology to store that safely. The mine would create, according to the company's own figures, 12 billion tons of sulfuric acid-laced toxic waste. That's 12 billion with a B. So that's the first thing. The second is that over the course of many, many years, the Environmental Protection Agency has done the science on this mine, and they have said it cannot be built and operated safely. Among other things, Alaska is a wetlands. It's a collective wetlands. I was flown over the proposed site of the Pebble Mine, going 150 miles, flown, by the way, by the former Republican president of the Alaska State Senate, who is now opposed to the mine, basically as an environmentalist and as a humanist, as somebody who, who believes in Alaska, who has changed from support to opposition. His name is Rick Helfrey. He's a wonderful guy and one of the best bush pilots in Alaska. And what you see is water, water, water. You see streams, you see wetlands, you see ponds, you see rivers, and you know that it's all unconnected underground. The acid will leach. It will leach. And the company itself says, when we're finished mining, it's no longer our responsibility. We leave those 12 billions of toxic waste where they are, and it becomes a public responsibility. So that's untenable. The Environmental Protection Agency study took place over many years. It is a scientific study. It's not a political study. And although the company disputes the findings and says, well, we think we can do it safely, the science says no. So there's no doubt whatsoever about what will eventually happen over how many years. That we can't say. But eventually, the sulfuric acid will leach, the copper will leach, and what life, human and animal, exists below the mine will be gone. And so this is happening up in Alaska, and I know you've been an organizer in so many activities. How did you get involved with something <laughs> up there? You're from the southeastern United States. I am from, well, I, I've lived and worked in the southeastern United States for 50 years. You know, it's a really good question, Mark, but the answer is the miracle of the Internet. I got four years ago, just about four years ago, an email through my website, SciCon.com, basically said, my name is Dan Strickland. You don't know me, but I know your music. I'm a commercial fisherman in Bristol Bay. Here's what's going on. We have a great coalitional fight against it, you know, of the people who work the bay, who fish the bay, of Alaska Natives, environmentalists, the fishing industry, people who fish for sport. Great coalition, tough fight, and we don't have a theme song. He said, you know, I can't pay you to do this, but if you will come to Alaska, I can actually get you an air ticket and spend a couple weeks with us We'll give you all the homemade beer, all the smoked salmon you want, straight to my Jewish heart. How could I turn it down? <laughs> he said, you will write us a theme song. And, you know, I don't know that I wrote a theme song, but I wrote enough songs for a CD. And along the way, I had met many years ago a wonderful Alaskan whose name is Suzanne Little, a former state senator and a wonderful bluegrass musician. And I was spending time with her and Dan, the commercial fisherman from Bristol Bay, who had invited me to Alaska. And the three of us came up with the idea of 
building an international network of grassroots and community musicians to do something small as a part of this gigantic fight to stop the Pebble Mine and to save Bristol Bay. And that's what I've been doing for the almost four years with Suzanne, with Dan, with many other people. I want to stress that Musicians United to protect Bristol Bay we're not the lead organization in this fight. We're not the major part of this fight. We're a very small part of a very large and very important fight. There are organizations and people in Alaska, in the lower 48 around the world, who are all working together to try to stop this. But we are doing our part, and we're using the magic of music, the emotional power that music brings to tell the story, and we're using the access to media that musicians and other artists have I am here on your radio show because I'm a musician. I know you have people who aren't just musicians on, but it's because of my music that I'm able to be talking to you today and through you to the many people who love your show, who listen to your show regularly. Every musician has the same media access. So what we have built at Musicians United to protect Bristol Bay, which is, by the way, available at www.musiciansunited.info, what we have built is a network that functions for communication, for education, and for mobilization. We educate, we communicate, we mobilize. So through the more than 350 musicians who are a part of Musicians United to protect Crystal Bay, we can reach thousands, hundreds of thousands of people when it's time to take action. So, for example, when the Environmental Protection Agency issued its preliminary findings, these are the same findings we talked about just a minute ago that said this is the wrong mine in the wrong place. It should not be built. They asked for public comment. We went to our members. They went to their fans. They went to their media contacts, and we helped spread the word so that people were able to tell the Environmental Protection Agency, do not approve this mine. You've been an organizer, community organizer. And, and a civil rights organizer and a, and a union organizer. It's my day job. I've done this for almost 50 years. And you've also written about it, and I had you on previously sharing on at least one of your books. What is happening right about the community organizing to protect Bristol Bay? That's a very good question, Mark. I think it's a completely brilliant campaign. And Musicians United to Protect Bristol Bay did not create the campaign. I want to be very clear about that. But... Many other organizations in Alaska and elsewhere have done a, what I think is a really brilliant community organizing job. For example, they've persuaded some of the major gold users in the world. Tiffany's and Zales have both said that if the mine were to be built, they would never use the gold from it. They would view it as tainted. That's extraordinary. Celebrity chefs around the world have created special Bristol Bay salmon dishes. That's a really creative piece of organizing. There are groups like Nunanta Alokestai, which means Guardians of the Earth, and Yupik, down on the bay that have been to London, to the headquarters of Anglo-American, which was one of the original partners, who have now pulled out. So there's great, great, great creativity. If you, if you go to the last year's catalog for Orvis, the great fishing tackle manufacturer, the centerfold was two pages of protecting Bristol Bay. And so I think as a community organizer, I have such respect for the creativity, the diligence, the stubbornness of the people in Alaska who are doing a campaign that is, I think, as good as campaigns get. When Musicians United to Protect Bristol Bay decided to sponsor Monica Zappa, a young musher from Wisconsin, where you're from, Mark, who was 
qualified to run her first Iditarod, the 975-mile last great race through the Alaska winter that just took place several weeks ago when we organized Suzanne Little, the great former state senator who is the co-founder of Musicians United to Protect Bristol Bay. Suzanne organized a, a concert with bluegrass, with revivalist 50s music, and it was opened by an Alaska Native dance troupe that did a very spiritual performance recreating the lives of the, of the salmon and the interdependence of themselves and their communities on the salmon so sure. I don't think you can have effective political action without there being a spiritual rooting, understanding that in multiple ways. Well, Cy, you know, I, I can't say enough about how much I appreciate your work, but I think I should talk to some of these other folks, perhaps right up there on the site in Alaska. Who do you think I should talk to? Could you give me that information, and then maybe we can play one of your songs, and I'll give them a call. Absolutely. Well, first, Mark, you should talk to Suzanne Little, one of the three co-founders of Musicians United to protect Crystal Bay. She is a former Alaska state senator. She's a wonderful bluegrass musician and singer. Everything I've done, the, the many festivals I've played at in Alaska, Alaska, the many concerts I've done, Suzanne and I have always done those together. So, yeah, and she has just an extraordinarily perceptive understanding of Alaska and of Alaska. She's really my ongoing political guide. You know, look, I'm a guy down here in North Carolina, right? What do I know from Alaska? So, yes, absolutely talk to Suzanne Little. And then I would also suggest you talk to Bryce Edgeman. Bryce was raised on Bristol Bay, right in the town of Dillingham. He lives there today. Uh, he is a member of the Kuryung tribe, C-U-R-Y-U-N-G. He's an enrolled member, or as are his children. He fished commercially in Bristol Bay for 20 years. He can tell you about what it means to fish the salmon of Bristol Bay. And he is the elected representative to the Alaska legislature representing the Bristol Bay area. So Bryce is completely involved in the struggle to protect Bristol Bay a very fine musician. I, I have visited over the course of my 50 years as an organizer many legislative and congressional offices. It's the only time I have seen a minimum of half a dozen guitars and mandolins in a state legislator's office was in Bryce Edgman's office. <laughs> you know, Mark, somebody else you absolutely should talk to in Alaska is Monica Zappa. First, because she's from Wisconsin. And I know you cheeseheads like to talk to each other, right? Oh, you bet. And we munch cheese while we do it. I know it. You know, all those curves and ways, your curious curves and your curious ways. So Monica grew up mushing in Wisconsin. I did not know this. I did not know that you were a state of dog sled racers and eventually moved to Alaska. It's a wonderful story. I met her at Salmonstock, a wonderful music festival organized by people who are fighting the mine where she had a booth that said Mushing for Bristol Bay. And it turned out that she was running the Iditarod specifically to bring attention to the issue. And she's a very powerful, thoughtful young woman who just finished a 975-mile dog sled run through the Alaska wilderness not more than three weeks ago. So, yeah, talk to Monica Zappa. I do want to thank you for that. You know, it's, it's always great to talk to you, Cy. Well, Mark, it's always great to talk to you. And, you know, I, I, I love the show. I love what you do with the show. And thank you for doing it. And I want to go out with some of your music. How can we finish this off? You know, let's end with a song called Abundance. That represents the point of view, as told to me, of the native Alaskans who live along the rivers that lead into Bristol Bay. It says, We've been here 10,000 years. 
along this river shore, if there's any justice left, we'll be here 10,000 more. And the, the story behind it, I heard from a 12-year-old Alaska Native kid sitting, I was sitting the third grade desk in a Dillingham Junior High School. I'm, I'm pretty tall. You know, I mean, my knees have yet to recover from that afternoon. And he stood up and told me about some of the traditions. I was there with uh, a group of a dozen young, meaning 10, 11, 12-year-old Native kids who call themselves rebels to the pebble. And they travel the state of Alaska telling people, this is our home. These are our villages. These are our traditions, our languages, our cultures. These boats are our family boats. This fishing, this is how we survive. That, and by hunting and gathering, do not let some foreign corporation take this away from us. And that's why I wrote the song, Abundance. You speak true. Thanks so much, Sai Khan. We're going to play the song, Abundance, now. And while it's playing, I'll get some more folks on the phone. Thank you again so much, Sai. Mark, thank you so much. Abundance. When you hear the word subsistence, you think of someone poor with an outstretched hand. To us, it means abundance, living off the richness of the land. We've been here 10,000 years along this river shore. If there's any justice left, we'll be here 10,000 more. The first salmon of the season We always take and give to someone else Any game we carry home We feed others before ourselves We've been here ten thousand years Along this river shore any justice left will be here ten thousand more no power known can never force me from this ancient place that gave me birth from the richness of this river the abundance of this earth We've been here ten thousand years Along this river shore If there's any justice left We'll be here ten thousand
Saikon's song, Abundance, about the precious culture and people of the coast of Alaska, folks whose way of life and lives are threatened by the pebble mine at Bristol Bay. I took Sai's recommendation, and I've contacted some other folks involved with the struggle against the pebble mine, and we'll talk to them one by one. I'll surely have to offload some of the gems that they have to share to the northernspiritradio.org website. So look for the bonus excerpts on that site. But first up is Suzanne Little, former state senator of Alaska and one of the energetic Alaskan voices against the mine. Suzanne joins us by phone from Anchorage, Alaska. Suzanne, I'm really excited to have you here today for Spirit in Action. Good to be here. You served in the state Senate there in Alaska back in 92 to 94. Why did you leave? Why didn't you just stay in and, and prevent things like Bristol Bay from ever happening? Well, actually, I served till 95. It was a truncated one term. And I would love to have stayed, but I was unelected by my constituents. They preferred a more conservative person over me in the election. However, while I was there, I think we did some good things for our communities. We advocated strongly for public involvement in development and local control over development so that you wouldn't have big corporations coming in and trying to plop something down around communities that didn't have a say. And actually, that's one of the things that we're working hard on with Musicians United is to help the people most affected by the proposed pebble mine have a strong say in what happens around their community. And if your legislation had been more powerful, continued to grow in season, then maybe it would have prevented the dangers that they're having right now, I guess, in Bristol Bay. Well, it certainly would have given people, local people, more of a say in what happens. Over the years, the public involvement abilities have been eroded by state legislators and governors since the 90s to the degree that in the mining especially there isn't much of a process you know a corporation applies for a mining permit and in the state it's just sort of a rubber stamped approval there is a NEPA process still but that's a federal process our state process has been winnowed down to not very much I'm afraid that we have the same situation currently here in Wisconsin, where I live, with the election of Scott Walker as governor. Uh, a lot of these rights and protections, they have kept our state a very picturesque state, as well as healthy environmentally. A lot of that's been eroded, and in specifically in terms of mining, he's tried to do away with the protective process. So I'm afraid the battle is being fought all around, and I'm so pleased that there are people from Wisconsin who are part of your struggle up there who are trying to help protect you. And one of the people involved in that is Stephen Lee Rich, who's here in Madison, Wisconsin, who's the head of Musicians United. When you started it, was Musicians United centered there in Alaska? And where are all the members of Musicians United located? You know, we have a lot of Alaskan musician members, a lot of Alaskan non-musician members, and we have members from all over the United States and in Europe. So we are a broadly based organization. We don't really even have a center location. We're in the cloud, as it were, and accept members from any location on the planet. 
you said, Suzanne, that permits for mines are kind of rubber stamped these days. A company applies for them and they get it. Why is it being different in the case of the pebble mine at Bristol Bay? Well, what I said was that the state process, the Alaska state process for mining review is not substantive. Fortunately, we do have other federal processes that are required. The NEPA process, the National Environmental Protection Act, the Clean Water Act, those are federal processes that are required to be undergone for development of such a mine. So in this particular situation, knowing that our state doesn't have a substantive process, communities around the Pebble Project area asked EPA to come in and do a watershed assessment In other words, to review impacts that the proposed project would have on the watershed and therefore on the really important salmon runs that people depend upon for their very livelihoods. So what kind of actions have you taken? What has been effective? Clearly, things are going a bit in your direction, and that's good news for the planet. Well, as you mentioned, Dan Strickland and I got together and raised some funds to bring Cy Khan up to Alaska so that he could sort of write a theme song for the struggle against the pebble mine. He ended up writing a whole album. He's such an overachiever, that guy. And uh, (laughs) we were able to produce and distribute this album to over 800 radio stations several weeks before the public comment to the EPA's watershed assessment was due. And we really feel that we played a role in achieving significant numbers of new comments on the watershed assessment that was eventually finalized by EPA. What are some of your other activities? Well, we put together an in-state tour just to get the word out in-state for a music tour. We've done that the last couple of summers. We've also performed, Cy has performed at Salmonstock. We've also had a presence at folk festivals and folk alliances in the lower 48, the International Bluegrass Music Association. We've been signing up members at every opportunity you know, spreading the word about this cause and why it's important to people even in, like, you know, North Carolina. (laughs) (laughs) And Wisconsin. And Wisconsin, right. (laughs) What's the biggest group of people you've brought together related to this issue? One of the places where a lot of people gathered to advocate against the pebble mine was at Salmonstock this last year. The third year of Salmonstock, the concert was sold out. We had Brandy Carlisle headlining the show, and you know she's a person who really gets how important salmon are to not only Alaskans, but the rest of the planet. So that was really exciting. Salmon stock. And how would that differ from Woodstock? Well, it's kind of the same concept, you know, bringing people together for peace, love, and salmon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it sounds wonderful. <laughs> So what do you see coming up for the actions? Well, you know, a lot of action has occurred just recently. We're going to be in a position where we're going to need to kind of wait to see what happens. As you know, both investors, both major corporation investors have pulled out of the Pebble Project. We just got news of the last one this week. You know, that's a big change. So the Pebble Project is going to be looking for new investors 
with the EPA's putting in the Clean Water Act action, it's going to be difficult for the Pebble Project to come up with new investors, I think. Absolutely, the fight is not over. We still have to remain vigilant, and this is still going to be a long-term battle as long as those minerals are in the ground in that location. Thank you so much for doing the action, and especially thank you for joining me today for Spirit in Action. I'm grateful to have been involved. Thanks. That was Suzanne Little, a member of the Musicians United to Protect Bristol Bay and a former member of the Alaskan State Senate. Spirit in Action is a Northern Spirit Radio production on the web at northernspiritradio.org with close to nine years of programs for your free listening and download, links to places like musiciansunited.info, a place for comments so we can build two-way communication, and a place for the donations that make this program possible. Also remember to support the incredible conduit of oft-neglected news and music called Community Radio. The gift your local community radio station shares is well worth supporting with your hands and wallet. So reach out and make a difference in your community. Sai Khan has been deeply involved with the fight to protect Bristol Bay from the proposed pebble mine in Alaska, and he's connected me up with several Alaskans doing the work on the ground. Next up is a valiant and dedicated worker for the cause and a dog sled musher to boot, Monica Zappa. Cellular technology extends all the way to the outback of Alaska, where Monica Zappa now joins us. Monica, it's great to have you here today for Spirit in Action. Yeah, well, thank you very much for having me. So you and I have a couple things in common, not only a concern for Bristol Bay, but also the fact that you happen to come from Wisconsin. How the heck did you go out there to fight environmental issues when we need you here fighting mine problems that we're going to have right here in Wisconsin? Oh, boy. (laughs) So many questions there. Well, yeah, I grew up in Wisconsin for the first 18 years, and I loved it very much. My mom and dad had sled dogs there, and so that's how I got introduced into the mushroom world. Then I went to college in Minnesota for meteorology, and then also went on to graduate school in northern Illinois for geography. And after going to school for many years, I realized that I wanted to get out of the classroom and just experience a little bit more of what nature had to offer. So I was ready to go to the extreme, and that's why I decided to go to Alaska and try my hand at dog mushing. This was 2010, four years ago. I moved up to Kisilak, Alaska. I just took my bike and rode my bike from the Anchorage Airport to Kisilak, where I was, had a position lined up to be a dog handler. Things have just kind of moved from there. I've always been interested in environmental issues, and everywhere that I've lived, I've tried to find a way to be somewhat active in issues going on locally. When I moved to Alaska, the trouble mine issue was really starting to get a lot more media attention and whatnot. And it just kind of struck me as an issue that we really, really need to make sure that this mine doesn't happen because what Alaska has is salmon. Um, It's really, in my opinion, the most important renewable resource. And um, I think a lot of the people and animals in Alaska agree too. So I just wanted to be involved in making sure that these fish are protected. This was 2012 when we decided we wanted to work on the pebble mine issue and do what we could as far as from a mushroom perspective. 
So we arranged a road trip actually going back to Wisconsin and Minnesota and the Midwest and even Canada, where we brought the word about Pebblemine, and also we organized seven different movie showings for the movie Red Gold, which is an awesome documentary. So I wanted to share that movie with the people of the Midwest and let them know, you know, what there really is in Alaska and the beauty of it all. When you came back and were spreading the word that way, did you get a lot of resonance? Did a lot of people respond to it? Or was it just a case of, well, it's not in my backyard, so I don't care? I think that we had a lot of response. And a lot of it was actually what you had mentioned a little bit earlier. They kind of said, well, we have these similar mining issues happening here in Wisconsin. And, you know, like there was just the same kind of feeling of, We love this area we live, and we know how valuable these resources are, and we know how fragile the ecosystems are, and we know that mining is not going to help these these great big mining operations that are being proposed in, obviously, Bristol Bay, but still on a smaller scale, I know, all over Wisconsin, too. So there was a lot of camaraderie, you know, just putting those issues together, and there was a lot of compassion for what we were doing. And there was also a lot of people, believe it or not, who had either lived in Alaska, even some people came to our events that had fished in Bristol Bay. I understand that Musicians United, that they were your primary sponsor for the Iditarod, and this is a big production, so you need sponsors. Could you have made more money if only you'd sold out for despoiling the environment? (laughs) Um, That's a good question. I have no idea if I could have, but... There was a few people early on when I did start this campaign and I did decide that I was going to run a get rod and needed to raise roughly $20,000 was my original goal. And they said, well, you know, you've been doing this, no pebble mine, say Bristol Bay campaign, but I think you should drop it because you're probably going to be able to get more money from the oil companies, whatnot, and that those are some of the main funders around this area. And so some folks suggested that I take that route, you know, go where there might be more obvious money and and then drop the political issues that I've been working on. And I really didn't want to do that. And at that point, it was early August of last year, and it was Salmon Stock. And Salmon Stock is a music festival that is all about celebrating the salmon and about the Pebble Mine, about getting the word out in Alaska. And it's a music festival that brings people from all over the country that's where I met Cy Khan. and I had a little booth, and I had on some t-shirts, and just, you know, talking about Iditarod a little bit, and I met him, and he was just so excited about the possibilities of, you know, incorporating the Save Bristol Bay campaign with Iditarod, and he wanted to be in on it right away, so he worked with his group, Musicians United, to protect Bristol Bay, and did some fundraising online and whatnot, and they ended up being my main sponsors. Yeah, they sponsored $8,000, which was a huge chunk of change, and I was, I couldn't believe it, really, that I was able to get, usually you, you might get one or $2,000 from people here and there, or from organizations and companies, but that was a big one. So they were really involved in the whole process, and then Cy came up for the race, and it was one of his lifelong dreams to be able to see the Iditarod. So it really worked out really beautifully. 
I actually felt that Mushrooms for Bristol Bay, I think that it got a lot of people just passionate about the environment, passionate about dogs. It really was a great attention grabber. And that was one of the reasons that I wanted to mush for a cause in the first place is because as a musher, you're taking a lot. You have to ask for money a lot because there's obviously no way to have a full-time job and be able to manage a kennel of 50 dogs and you know be able to train them properly and also be able to just get all your equipment together. It's so intense, and the training takes eight hours a day, months before the race. Anyway, so what I'm saying is, I wanted to mush for a cause because I didn't want to just be taking from people. I wanted to be able to give something back. So I wanted mushing to be a way to spread a word about this issue. And so I felt that that was a way to be able to give something back, you know, to the land, to the state of Alaska, to the people of Alaska. That was my major inspiration for mushing for Bristol Bay. Well, you're clearly world-class in terms of your work, your motivation, your dedication. Wow. Just so impressive. I'm very pleased to know that there's a Wisconsinite up there on the scene making a difference for Bristol Bay. The good news, of course, this past week that the other investors pulled out. So I think that it must be because of you that that happened. Because if Monica's mushing for Bristol Bay, no way we can fight her. <laughs> I love that. I would really like to think that it, I did maybe have a small part to do with the Rio Tinto pulling out. And, you know, the funny story behind that was um, the, the trip that kicked all this off that I was telling you about in 2012 down to the Midwest with our tour of spreading the word about Bristol Bay. We also incorporated some dog races into that tour. So we went to the UP200 in Marquette, Michigan. Once you know it, the main sponsor of that race was Rio Tinto. So we had the opportunity to put ourselves out there, and we were really decorated. And at the award ceremony, we invited everybody to come to our presentation and movie showing. Uh, the representative from Rio Tinto did show up. And he watched the Red Gold movie, and we had a little bit of a conversation about it. And, you know, he was really kind, and he wasn't like, mad about what we were doing in any way. And, you know, as, as far as a personal view was that, yeah, this is not a good idea to totally jeopardize this massive salmon run. I felt that that was huge in kind of getting right to the source. So I know for at least the past year, Rio Tinto has been talking about withdrawing in one way and they finally did it so i'm sure it's you know difficult to come to that decision with so many million dollars on the line but they finally did it so i did feel like that we maybe did have a little bit of something to do with that and the fact that they did it after i did it after i was out there continuing to bring this cause maybe to an even larger international scale you never know that could have swayed their decision and having gotten to know you now i'm sure it did Really, I'm so impressed with your work. I'm moved by your effort, your dedication. Thank you so much for being that kind of witness, and thanks for joining me for Spirit in Action. Yeah, well, thank you for all the kind words, and I hope to get back to Wisconsin one day and enjoy the amazing outdoors that are there, too. We're going to end this interview with Monica with a song that Saikon wrote for her. It's called Mushing for Bristol Bay. What's that covered around the mountain Kicking up snow in their track It's Monica Zappa and her team of huskies They're running and they won't turn back Out on the Iditarod 
Rushing to stop the pebble mine A cold moon rises at the edge of the world The sky has nothing more to say No sound to be heard but the creaking of the sled Rushing to save Crystal Bay Rushing to save Crystal It's 20 degrees below zero Bet your bottom dollar that's cold We're running up the frozen Yukon River Better hope that the ice will hold Along the Iditarod Trail The dogs are pulling on the lines A strong young woman stands on the runners Rushing to stop the pebble mine A cold moon rises at the edge of the world The sky has nothing more to say No sound to be heard but the creaking of the sled Rushing to save Bristol Bay Rushing to save Bristol Bay From White Mountain to Nome Our courage will take us there safely Like the salmon will find our way home Out on the Iditarod Trail The dogs are pulling on the lines A strong young woman stands on the runners Mushing to stop the pebble mine a cold moon rises at the edge of the world The sky has nothing more to say There's no sound to be heard But the creaking of the sled Mushing to save Bristol Bay Mushing to save Bristol Bay Mushing to save Bristol Bay Mushing for Bristol Bay by Cy Khan off of a recent CD by Cy called Bristol Bay. Remember that there will be bonus excerpts of these interviews that I can't fit in this broadcast, and you'll find them at northernspiritradio.org. Cy Khan connected me up with Monica Zappa, who is the musher in the song we just heard, and now we go to one more person very involved in the struggle to protect Bristol Bay from the pebble mine. He serves in the Alaskan State Legislature, Bryce Edgman is squeezing in a call in the midst of the super busy end of legislative session in Juneau, Alaska. Bryce, I'm thankful you could join me today for Spirit in Action. Yes, it's my great pleasure to be here. How involved is the State Senate and the House of Representatives and, and the Governor, how involved are they in decisions about what's happening with respect to Bristol Bay? Well, it's an interesting question because uh, Alaska first and foremost, is a resource development state. And second of all, we have many legislators who uh, reside in the middle part of the state where the front of the business community comes from. And so you have legislators who are very much interested in the Pebble Project going forward regardless. 
and then you have other legislators, uh, particularly those representing the smaller communities in Alaska, perhaps along the coast or off away from the center of the state, uh, Anchorage and Fairbanks and so forth, that are more conscious about uh, the renewable resources uh, side of things. And so I would say it's, it's very much mixed here in the legislature. But again, uh, we're a conservative-leaning state. We do have a lot of, I would say, probably a predominance of pro-development legislators. And, you know, if the issue were to come to an up-and-down vote in any manner, which at this point there really isn't any need to do that, it would probably be in favor of development over any type of a conservation effort. I just end up finding it kind of humorous when those who are supposed to be conservatives aren't interested in conserving. What are your viewpoints on Bristol Bay? Well, I'm born and raised in Bristol Bay. I was born in the in the town that I live in called Dillingham, Alaska, of about 2,500 people or so. It's, you can picture where the Aleutian chains intersect with the mainline of Alaska. Right in that corner of the southwest part of the state is where I'm from, and it also encapsulates the legislative district that I represent. But to me, Pebble is more than, and I argue this with a lot of my peers here in the legislature, it's more than just a resource development issue. It's a matter that is so complicated and so above the understanding of even our, our best policymakers in terms of our resource development agencies, that it's something that should be set aside and looked at more in a longer-term perspective. And I think we've made some progress in convincing people about that, but we still have a ways to go with others. I understand that you used to be a fisherman. That that's how you made your living for some years? I was a diehard fisherman for many years. I and mean, that's what I lived and breathed for was getting on the boat in Bristol Bay and uh, fishing as hard and as fast and as long and, uh, you know, spending the entire summer out there catching fish. And I don't do it anymore, but uh, I think about it all the time, and I certainly can relate to the importance of the fishing industry, you know, the commercial end of things as a fisherman, but also to our first people, the Alaska Natives, who depend on the fish for uh, the, the subsistence or the cultural way of life. And, and so preserving the fish in the Bristol Bay area is just absolutely critically important going forward. Is your viewpoint common amongst people who are fishing? So is this a, a difference in terms of livelihood, I guess? Well, I, I think it absolutely is. And, you know, to get out to uh, Bristol Bay or any of the other remote communities in Alaska, you have to fly out there. So you have to take an hour, two-hour plane ride or perhaps even more. A lot of my colleagues here in the legislature have never been to Bristol Bay. They don't know about the value of the largest sockeye salmon fishery on the globe, and they don't know about the pristine nature of the watershed out there or the fragile nature of all these rivers and streams and lakes and water bodies that somehow through some miracle from above or wherever it might be, every year produces just this record amounts of salmon that, again, provide everything from a commercial livelihood to uh, you know, putting food on people's tables. In as objective a viewpoint as you can provide, is it very clear that if this mine were to go through, that it would be very damaging to the salmon production? You know, I think it is. But the trick is, is just to get them to see it up close and to get informed about what putting a mine of this scale and of this size right in virtually in the middle of this very productive watershed area would do over any period of time. It would not only physically destroy the area, and I think that's been documented many times over, but in terms of our ability, you know, as Alaskans, we really pride ourselves on being able to brag about the wild, untainted quality of our seafood products and of everything up here in Alaska. And by golly, if you were to have this great big poisonous mine with tailings, ponds, and other um, material akin to battery acid right there next to these rivers and streams producing salmon, if they were still producing, 
we wouldn't be able to say that for the Bristol Bay salmon fishery. So the region would no longer exist. The character, the heritage, pride that we take in being who we are. Uh, by the way, I am part Alaskan native, so I say this certainly with conviction. All that would simply go away. I don't think the region would be anything but a bunch of ghost towns, maybe summertime fish camps or places where the seafood processors operated out of, but the, the spirit of the whole area would simply just vanish. You know, you don't need to just talk to me to know that. Go out there and talk to anybody on the street and you hear the same message. Anybody who's ever lived out in the region would say the same thing. Once you get people to look at that and they get the opportunity to go out there, they see the picture for themselves, they begin to get it. So we've been able to really, you know, convert some folks here in the legislature and keep working on it. At this point, it's looking pretty good, at least in the short run. It looks like the investors are not there for the mines. Did you have a role in this that you know of? You know, when you're in the minority in legislature, sometimes it can feel, I imagine, a bit powerless. How has it felt to you, and do you think you've been able to make a difference? Well, I've never felt powerless regarding this issue because I always knew that I had the facts, if you will, on my side. I've always approached it with a lot of uh, diplomacy because, again, there's a lot of legislators here who you know, needed more than one or two sessions to sit down and kind of learn about what really was happening out there. You know, my role overall, I'm fairly modest. I would say that I've played some role along the way because I have focused on the issue as a legislator. I've had many personal, many group conversations. So I wouldn't characterize myself as having a driving influence in the whole thing. But along the way, I I think I've been able to uh, do my part uh, as small as it might have been. I understand that you have guitars in your office. I was told this by Cy and so I know it must be true. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> have you written any great songs like Sai has that have swayed the population? Well, I have written several songs about Pebble, and I actually might have been maybe the first person ever who wrote an anti-Pebble song. I wrote it back in 2005. The song builds around the refrain, Will our children's children ask about the time? What was it like before they built the mine? I guess you asked a moment ago if, if I had any role. And I know when I first played the song at a couple of coffee houses out in Bristol Bay, um, a lot of people were listening. And a lot of people were nodding their heads and shaking my hand afterwards and saying, really, you know, glad you wrote that song and glad you helped us better understand the, the significance of all this. Well, Bryce, how would you feel? Is it okay if I share that song with our listeners? I'd be delighted. I've been a musician for many years. I've written a number of CDs of original music. I don't claim to be great at anything I do, but this song, it's a very personal song. Every time I've played it for anybody, it has really been a song that connected with them, and, and so I'd be delighted if you if you could do that. I'll be very happy to share with our listeners Our Children's Children. It's by Bryce Edgman. He serves in the House of Representatives in the state of Alaska. He's been with us sharing here today for Spirit in Action in the movement to protect Bristol Bay from the Pebble Mine. That's good work and good music. Thank you for sharing both of them with us and taking this time today, especially at the end of your busy legislative session, to spend time with us today for Spirit in Action. Thank you so much, Bryce. Thank you, Mark. It's been a real pleasure of mine to be a guest on your show. Go to nordenspiritradio.org for bonus excerpts from this interview with Cy Khan, Suzanne Little, Monica Zappa, and finally, Bryce Edgman. We'll end today's program with Bryce's song, Our Children's Children. We'll see you next week for Spirit in Action. I've always been careful, minding my way Standing in 
in the shadows while yours had their say. But I cannot hold silent anymore. For if they build that mine, there's no telling what's in store. In my younger days, how the wild winds blew. Had to be near the edge to feel the river coming through. But I'm old now, and as I look around, I know that someday I'll be part of this ground. Like jewelry on this fine day, sparkling in her colors that lift as they sway. Alone in the wilderness, she will not disclose. But there's something in her solitude tells me that she knows. So here I'm standing, knowing down deep. Far below the tundra, soft beneath my feet. Well, my children's children ask about the time. What was it like before they built the mine? My children's children ask about the time. What was it like before they built the mine? The theme music for this program is Turning of the World, performed by Sarah Thompson. This Spirit in Action program is an effort of Northern Spirit Radio. You can listen to our programs and find links and information about us and our guests on our website, northernspiritradio.org. Thank you for listening. I am your host, Mark Helpsmeet, and I welcome your comments and stories of those leading lives of spiritual fruit. May you find deep roots to support you and grow steadily toward the light. This is Spirit in Action. With every voice.